You're sick, throwing up several times a day, every day. You feel like you're going to die. You've lost a lot of weight and so much strength. You decide what to eat based on how it is going to taste when it comes back up. And you know it's going to come back up. You are not yourself. You don't know who you are. A shadow, a ghost, but definitely not you. And the question people keep asking you is, but aren't you so excited? Hey everyone, I'm Lizzie Heiselt. And I'm Valerie Best, and this is Cocoon, Stories of Gestation, where we tell the stories of what you've become as you grow your family. Today we hear from Nicole Fugel, whose experience of growing life made her feel like death. It's a situation we have a hard time understanding because it goes so strongly against the grain of our ideas and our ideals of what pregnancy should be. And perhaps it's an uncomfortable reminder of the risks of pregnancy, that we are actually taking our life in our hands and anything could happen. It's not a common experience these days. Most of us make it through pregnancy and childbirth without feeling death breathing down our necks. Most, but not all. We're grateful to have Nicole with us today to take a little closer look at that experience. When we talked to her, she was 30 weeks pregnant with her second baby. Her son had just turned two. She told us what it was like to find out she was pregnant for the first time. Well, I found out because I became very sick. <laughs> I um, I was working full-time at the time for University of Kentucky, and my husband was a, a graduate student there. And so I worked in the hospital, and we were just about to hold a big patient camp event that I was in charge of putting together. And that week, I started feeling terrible, um, and I went in to see my nurse practitioner and she said, Oh, you know, you're, yeah, she did a pregnancy test. You're pregnant. You're just feeling a little morning sickness. That's normal. Um, try some ginger. They have some little motion sickness patches that you could try. My husband was actually gone for two weeks at, on a, a road trip with his mom to his sister's wedding. And, um, I was, I was really sick. I didn't exactly want to tell him over the phone, guess what? We're having a baby. But at the same time, I, I was progressively getting sicker and sicker by, by the day. And everybody just kept saying, you have to wait it out and see what happens. And With her husband gone, the patient kept coming up and her ability to function dwindling. Nicole didn't really know what to do. She was vomiting several times a day and couldn't keep anything down. Any type of movement made her feel awful. There was a coworker of hers, a nurse practitioner, who took her to the ER so she could get some fluids that would help her get through the weekend of the camp. From there, Nicole ended up in the ER needing more fluids every few days. It wasn't until she was about 10 weeks along that she was finally able to see an OB, but seeing a real doctor didn't mean she would actually be treated for her severe illness. Every time I'd go in, they'd try a new medication and say, oh, maybe this will work, maybe that'll work, and... Their big answer was, well, by the time, you'll definitely be cured of this within 40 weeks. <laughs> my OB said, if you're still throwing up after you have this baby, you're not my problem anymore. <laughs> go, see a, go see a gastroenterologist. But, I mean, he was, he was making light of the situation. He understood that this was all pregnancy-related. He understood that it was all pregnancy-related, but he and many care providers, or really anyone at all, still don't have a very good understanding of what Nicole was experiencing. The technical name is hyperemesis gravidarum, 
and many of us may have heard of it when Princess Kate Middleton was hospitalized with it during her first pregnancy. Nicole says that people assume it was morning sickness, but it was definitely not morning sickness. She walked us through a typical day of life with hyperemesis. It sounds like something you might experience if you were undergoing chemotherapy for cancer. So I'd start the morning a little bit anxious of, I need food, and I need a specific food, and I need it now. And so I was um, very demanding, very hard person to be with my, with my, for my husband, my mom. So I'd wake up, I'd try to eat something. Um, about an hour later, I'd, I'd usually throw it up. I'd try again about half an hour after that, I'd throw it up. I wasn't able to shower much more than maybe once every three or four days because every time I would get up to shower, I'd throw up. Um, I I still work part-time from home, so I have to go downstairs to see patients on a computer screen. Just getting up and going downstairs would cause me to throw up either before or after seeing them. So I'd usually get through the morning time doing that, and then my son would take an afternoon nap. Sometimes I was able to sleep in the afternoon, which was really nice. And then uh, I'd just wait. I mostly laid in bed all day. Um, but it messes with my vision a lot when I'm so sick. I don't understand why, but so I couldn't, I couldn't see very well. So I couldn't see to watch many movies or anything like that to try to take my mind off of it. I'd read a little bit, um, but usually I just lay in bed. And on days that I felt a little better, my son would come in and sit next to me and listen to music on, <laughs> on the iPad for a few minutes. Or every once in a while, I'd read him a story. Um, very seldom would I go downstairs after dinner to visit with the family and I mostly just lived to go to bed at night so that the day would be over. All the nausea, all the vomiting was a surprise to Nicole. But even more surprising was that even her care providers didn't know what to do. Part of the problem, of course, is that hyperemesis is not well understood. And there's a lot of fear around the idea of giving a pregnant woman any kind of medication because of any possible effects it could have on the baby. Nicole's doctors were monitoring her, but either they didn't know or they didn't provide a lot of information and support to help put her mind at ease about what was happening to her and what the effect of just waiting it out might have on the baby. You hear about people having morning sickness. They feel a little nauseous, a little sick to their stomach, but I'd never heard of anyone throwing up multiple times a day, huge weight losses, being ha- having such huge complications. And so I was really surprised and a little bit fearful because I felt like even my OB, my care providers, were not, didn't have a lot of resources. They, they didn't tell me all the medications available. They didn't tell me all the treatment options. It was a play-by-play, week-by-week how are you feeling? Come back in next week. We'll check your weight. If you need fluids, go into the triage and go get fluids. So we, we didn't know how long it was going to last. We didn't know really anything about it. I was very concerned that the baby was going to be malnourished and have, have side effects from that. I was concerned about myself. I didn't know how much weight I could 
lose. I lost about um, 20 pounds within two weeks. And so, and I'm usually not, I'm usually on the lower side of, of weight anyways. And so I, um, I was very worried about myself. I would have um, tachycardia, heart palpitations, or any time I got up or walked across the room or tried to go from the parking lot. Um, I, so I was very worried about what was going to happen to me. Was I going to even get so sick that I'd die or the baby would be malnourished because of it? But still, Nicole says that her care providers didn't treat her any different than any other patient. That surprised me. They, when I went into the, the OBER area, they would, they would do an ultrasound, but it was just to make sure the baby was alive and kicking, not, not really. And that was so early on, that was like five weeks, six weeks, seven, eight, that, that I don't think they can tell anything um, they, my OB didn't even do like nutrition labs on me until it was almost at the end of the sickness. They would just have me come in once a week. I don't know why to make sure I was alive and to see how much more weight I had lost. And he kept saying, well, if you get much worse, we'll have to put you in the hospital. <laughs> Thankfully, she didn't get much worse. And just so you're not all on the edge of your seats wondering about the health of her baby, he was just fine. He weighed in at 9 pounds, 9 ounces when he was born, so not malnourished. It's amazing how well a mother's body can protect and develop that baby, even if it seems that it may kill her to do it. Physically, although she was obviously not in great straits, Nicole was being watched over by her health care providers. But being as sick as she was took a huge toll on her and her husband mentally and emotionally, and it was harder for them to find support for that. Actually, early on, her husband didn't really understand what was going on either, how intense the sickness was, and how difficult it was for her to do anything. But then one day, he got sick himself. Just some nausea, no vomiting. But he was able to feel for himself a small part of what Nicole was going through, and it turned out to be a turning point in the pregnancy. Since then, he has been nothing but supportive and has shouldered the bulk of the responsibility for keeping the family functioning during Nicole's illness. And Nicole is quick to point out that husbands and fathers don't get nearly as much attention and support as women do throughout pregnancy, something she is very aware of as her husband has been everything for everybody while she is incapacitated. He, he first of all, didn't know what was normal pregnancy for a spouse, and then he didn't feel like men don't have a great outlet of, of pregnancy support, I guess, as well. They don't it's not usual to talk to your buddy about, Hey, what's, what's normal about your wife? <laughs> I feel bad for me when I'm going through it, but I do feel bad for him. Uh, I think I have expectations. Women have expectations about pregnancy, but oftentimes I don't think their husband um, gets credit that they have pregnancy expectations as well. That, that, Dad is supposed to be as happy and excited about this baby as well, but it's so hard when, when your wife is so sick, you're so worried about her. Time-wise, you're having to do everything for her, being an in-home nurse, but trying to support your family, trying to take care of your child, um, emotionally not having a partner anymore, having a wife that's negative and needy and has a lot of 
puts a lot of strain on the family. I think that is, I, I don't think the husbands of women like this get enough credit and I definitely could not do it without him. For her second pregnancy, Nicole and her husband were much more prepared and were able to make arrangements for additional care and support right away when Nicole first started to feel sick. Her mother came and stayed for a couple of months. Neighbors and friends from church provided meals and child care, and she and her husband braced themselves psychologically and financially to endure a very trying stretch of months. But still, Nicole felt that there wasn't much understanding of what she was actually going through, that this was a severe illness of unknown length that left her in bed most of the time. A lot of the difficulty stemmed from the fact that she was just pregnant. I don't think anybody understood the depth of what was going on. That they think again, they think it's morning sickness. They don't realize you're you're really an incapacitated person. Um, I mean, I lost huge muscle mass. You could see my ribs. You could see my my in the front, in the back. I I really I couldn't get into the shower by myself. I couldn't I couldn't get in and out of bed by myself. It was. It, it was really it, very detrimental on my health. And then even after I stopped being sick, people assumed I was well, but to, I had to regain all of that strength and, and muscle that was lost and still not feeling super great. And so it took quite, quite a bit far into the third trimester before I even felt like a normal person again. I only work part-time from home now, and I enjoy so much being with my son. He is such a delight. He's such a good little boy. And it was heartbreaking to me that I couldn't couldn't interact with him. I, my mom came in and was a huge help taking care of him. But what was even more heartbreaking was I had no desire to be with him. I had no desire to be with anyone because I didn't I didn't want to do anything. I didn't, I didn't feel like life was worth anything. It sounds so at odds with the popular view of pregnancy as a time of joy and excitement. Maybe that's why for so many years, hyperemesis and nausea were treated as psychosomatic symptoms of pregnancy. It's all in your head. Get over it. Stay busy. Have some ginger. Although the reasons some women have such a strong reaction to pregnancy are still unknown, studies have shown that hyperemesis is organic in origin. Research has also shown that, contrary to popular belief, it is not always detrimental to take medication during pregnancy. There are treatments that have been proven safe and somewhat effective, including anti-nausea drugs given to actual cancer patients. But many care providers, doctors and nurses, don't even know about them. When her second pregnancy began, Nicole knew enough that she could advocate for herself and tell her doctors what she needed. But of course it was still hard. Nicole had some ideas of what could help. But she was still sick, still throwing up multiple times a day, losing lots of weight and unable to leave her bed for most of the day. And while she was also able to ask for help, she felt that the fact that she was pregnant prevented people from really understanding what was happening, physically and emotionally. And the gulf between what she felt she needed and what others were actually able to offer made her feel very, very alone, and in some ways incapable of joining in the conversation about the joys of pregnancy. Because I don't think they understand how 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 the despair affects you. Despair of I never know when this is going to end. This is it's this hopelessness that that hits you. Of I'm so sick physically, but I'm also so sick 
emotionally because I don't know when this is going to end. I think it's very comparable to to cancer victims of you're so sick and you have no idea what the prognosis is. (laughs) And so you are just trying to live through that day. And and it's very, very taxing. And I don't think most people understand that or can, can empathize enough. I think everybody was waiting for me to get well. And, and, um, Really, it was only, I think, my husband that understood what was going on every day and and trying to give that support. I was much more sick when I felt lonely and depressed and despair on on days that I had people that were just there holding my hand while I was throwing up or helping me in and out over-the-top sympathetic, which I know is so hard to do day after day to somebody that's not cheerful. Um, But it helped. It would help me. It would help me be sick less, just the change in mood in in having the support. But it took a lot of support. Um, I think even if I had even more support, I would have done even better. Of course, people were very kind. It would lighten my day when I'd get a note from somebody from church or they'd drop off a meal for my family or um, things like that. I had a lady this time that was so sweet, and she sent, like, a little uh, jar of candies for me. And I could actually, I could, I actually could have some candies sometimes because they weren't food, and I'd just let them dissolve, and they tasted good. And I, I was overwhelmed by gratitude. For, for the kindness of these people that didn't even know me very well in some cases. Um, I was very, very touched by their generosity. But at the same time, I, I'm home by myself every day, all day. I can't so much as put on clothes, much less go out of the house to, to talk to anybody. And, and I don't want to share that negativity with anybody either. Why, when they're, when my friends are pregnant and happy about it or are trying to become pregnant or it, it, any spectrum have had great successes with children, why do I want to sit there and be this negativity to my life stinks? And that's all I know what to say because I have nothing else to say. I don't have any, what else do I have to talk about? I mean, if I was very sick with something else, I think it would have been much more socially acceptable and more people would have responded empathetically because they can understand, oh, you know, you're, you have this terrible disease that's causing you to be so sick. But when it's just pregnancy... So this brings us to an important issue of pregnancy and sickness. Does the fact that the illness is connected to pregnancy make it less of an illness? less worthy of taking seriously? What if we separated the sickness from the cause? What if we were just able to say, Nicole is sick. She doesn't have any idea how long this is going to last or if she will get better. Would it be easier for us, for people, for society to give her the support she really needs rather than saying, it's just pregnancy and waiting around, watching her throw up and hoping it doesn't take too much longer for her to get over it. Maybe telling her to try seasick bands or ginger ale or even just get up and get moving. It's not an easy thing to do, obviously, 
Maybe because we want the pregnancy to be full of excitement and anticipation, it's hard to separate our own feelings and hopes from the reality of a very difficult pregnancy. Even for Nicole, separating the sickness from the cause, from her feelings toward the baby, was really hard. But also really important. Knowing that the pregnancy was causing her misery took her to some dark places. There's a lot of guilt going on because you feel like you should be excited. But in reality, I was so... I, it was so terrible. I just wanted it to end. And, and I mean, it's a horrific thought, but I, I didn't care if I had a miscarriage. I, I, I hoped I, I would. And I knew if I did, I would never try it again. It, it was so difficult to endure every day that, that you're desperate for anything. Well, I kept waiting for the, the doctors to say, well, you're so sick, we're going to terminate the pregnancy. But nobody, nobody did, and I felt so terribly guilty for having that in the back of my head as an option. Because whoever thinks about, about terminating their pregnancy because they're sick, I can't even imagine the horrific ideas that people would have against me for, for feeling that way. And, and as soon as we had the baby, or as soon as I got feeling better, of course I didn't want that to happen. But living every day, you don't want to live anymore, much less have this continue. And so all you can think about is, I have to end, you know, this has to end, because I cannot live another day like this. This is so, this is such a terrible state of being that, that Life isn't worth living. There's, there's no joy in life. There's nothing good going on. And I don't know when this is going to end. So it's going to kill me anyways. <laughs> how, do I, how do I end this? And that's basically the crux of Nicole's isolation. At a time when there's an expectation that a woman is full of life, she felt like death. Where society sees hope and rejuvenation, Nicole felt despair and desperation. Where society expects joy and growth and glowing, Nicole was the opposite of that. Thin, gaunt, fearful. One specific fear she had that was fueling her despair and hopelessness was that her inability to bond with her baby throughout the pregnancy would bleed over into her motherhood. That once the baby was born, she would be resentful and have a hard time caring for him. But a difficult pregnancy does not necessarily mean you'll find parenthood difficult as well doesn't mean that you don't love your child and that you will be a good mother. I mean, I worried a lot about what kind of mom am I going to be? I don't love this baby when I'm pregnant. How am I going to just, how am I going to be a mother if I don't love my baby? I felt like, well, I felt resentful when I was pregnant of this child sucking the life out of me and taking joy out of my life. I used to be a person. Now I'm not even a, a person. I'm just an incubator and my big fear was, what kind of mother am I going to be if I can't even love my child? Um, and so I hope other women out there know that you will love your child and you will be just a fine mother, regardless of how you feel about that baby in utero. You can, you can hold that baby in your arms after they're born, and that's your baby. Still, it leads to hard questions that don't really have an answer. And people ask that of me all the time, and it's such a guilt. After I had him, they'd ask me, so in the end, wasn't it worth it? Well, what are you going to say? 
What are you going to say? What they want to hear, of course, is that any hardship is worth having a child. And compared to the pain of not being able to have a child that you desperately want, that may be true. But the reality is that there are real costs to having a pregnancy that feels like a deathly illness. There are real fears and real trauma and real loss. And it's unfair to ask a woman in that situation whether or not it was worth it. It's unfair to pit a child against an illness and ask if you would go through hell again just to have another one. It makes me almost a little bit heartbroken that I don't, I don't bond with the baby during pregnancy. I don't, um, I'm not excited about it. I, I feel very unfair toward most women that are just happy and they're planning and they're excited and, and I'm just, let, let me get over this. Uh, even after our son was born, I had a lot of, uh, I guess, PDA, P, uh, post-trauma from it because I would have flashbacks. Every time I even felt slightly sick to my stomach, I would have this this paralyzing fear of what's going to happen to me. Am I going to go back to being so sick? It, it was really... I'd never been in such a physical or emotional stress before. And the feeling that that could come back was, was immense. And so I think for me, it's changed my outlook on pregnancy completely of there's no, there's no joy about it. There's no, there's no anticipation when we were contemplating having another baby it was complete dread of what's going to happen, a lot of anxiety of, is this going to occur? How are we going to do this? And at least this time we had in mind of what could happen, and so we were able to prepare more ahead of time. Um, but it's still the emotional preparation of, I, I know what is going to happen. Is it, is it really worth it? And, and you do forget. I mean, I do have flashbacks, but but you do forget. You do forget how long three to four months of absolute misery is when you look at that baby and have your sweet child. And, and of course, you think it's like all those people say, wasn't it worth it? And you think, well, I, I have this child forever. Is, is four or five, nine months of terror worth having them in my life and to some extent yes how many times I don't know but Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't help but to look at a person I don't think you can say to any person you weren't worth me giving up a year of my life but but it is difficult especially since we have him and we'll have her it is a difficult decision because it's not just me then, it's our family. It's, I can't spend time with them for many months. We're not, we're not really a family for that much time. Mommy does not exist. All the, all the fun things that we have going for us isn't there. Um, and it's a huge stress on my husband. He has to be the emotional support for the whole family. He has to take care of me, take care of the children, take care of the house, um, work full time. Nobody understanding really what he's going through. So it's a very complicated situation. 
One thing about having such a hard pregnancy, about living so many months wondering if you are going to die, is that the baby's birth and the recovery afterward, at least for Nicole, were almost like a rebirth for her as well. Surprisingly enough, I feel like I recover faster because of my experience being sick. Um, Because anything in comparison feels amazing. And so I... I felt so happy to have my body back after I had the baby, even though I was recovering and I had a very large baby and all the complications that entails. I, I was so grateful, so relieved that I was alive again, that it didn't matter what I was going through. I mean, yes, the newborn phases has its challenges of sleep deprivation and, all that's associated with taking care of a newborn, but it was nothing in comparison. Even even third trimester, that's when a lot of women say that their coping skills with the pregnancy goes downhill, you know, their back hurts them so big that in comparison, I it doesn't affect me compared to being not sick. I, I feel like it definitely make, made me a stronger person in in not being sick. I I don't think I appreciated my body as much before I was sick. I didn't appreciate health as much. I think after you go through something like that, you are so amazed to, to be alive and to be healthy that it, it's hard to get you down after that. Um, uh, really, recovery was was not a big deal to me. It is a harrowing experience, and it's not one that I want to go through. But it, I think it did make me a more grateful person, with not sick of of just that feeling of that amazing feeling of being alive, of not incapacitated, and a, a huge sympathy for for sick people, for elderly people that that don't have mobility, that are sick, that are isolated. Uh, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like now. Um, and and it's, it's terrible. It, it really is. And so I think it has helped me become a, a more grateful person and, and certainly more empathetic toward, toward other people that have been ill in any circumstance, not just pregnancy. I guess that's the, the happy end besides having a baby is is that that feeling of life is there and take advantage of it while you can. You know, I'm so fortunate I, I can run and walk. I remember I remember when my son was about a year old and he was walking and running and I took him to a little play group where we played soccer and I remember the feeling of of running and thinking back to a time where I didn't think I would be able to run <laughs> that. Um, you know, I was so alive. I could breathe. I could move. I could, I could, I could play with my child, which is something I didn't, I, you forget is possible when you're so sick that you can't even get out of bed by yourself. And you don't know when it's going to end. I think when you can, it's like this sunshine coming out and saying, I can do anything in life, basically, because if I can get through that, 
if I can still be alive at the end of it, then, then I can do anything because at least I'm healthy. <laughs> I don't have any huge chronic diseases. I don't have missing limbs. I can, I can, I can play with my, my little boy and run and ride a bike. And, and that's the perspective I have now, even though I don't feel great right now. I will, after the baby's born, I'll have my body back and, and even now, I'm, I feel well enough to go on walks with my, my son and go to the playground and go to the beach. And it, it, it's just, it's beautiful when, when you think about this body we have and that when it works, it's amazing. Thank you, Nicole. It is amazing. Amazing how a body can work so hard to create and protect a life. So hard that it will almost sabotage itself in the process. And amazing how resilient we can be, how we can leave behind a difficult, bitter, harrowing pregnancy and not become bitter, difficult, hardened mothers. How we can leave behind the darkness and not only glory in the light we walk into, but want to help others navigate the darkness as well. One thing that really stuck out to me was that idea that Nicole shared about giving someone a year of your life, a year in which you basically disappear for their sake. Many of us experience that to a degree throughout parenthood, giving up our time, forgoing our interests taking a hiatus from our careers or hobbies, or at least not pursuing them with as much vigor. Sometimes our interests change. Sometimes our passions cool. Sometimes we are left puzzling over whether this life is really ours or that person is really us. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it is not. Nicole experienced a kind of intense, concentrated loss of self that most parents experience in a diluted form over the course of years. But if there's something to learn from her experience, it could be that even in the most dire and dreadful loss, there can be rebirth. We will come to know ourselves and our life again, and to find joy in where we are and who we've become. And along with that new life is a new person who will undoubtedly enrich and shape and frustrate us as well. Those questions people always ask, are you excited? Was it worth it? Are in a sense unanswerable, not least because the answer doesn't matter. The baby is coming, excited or not. The baby is here, and who can measure its worth. Since we recorded, Nicole had her baby, a little girl named Miriam. She was born on April 9th and weighed 8 pounds, 10 ounces at birth. So again, not malnourished. We have pictures of Nicole and her family on our website, cocoonstories.com. Nicole would also like women who have hyperemesis gravidarum and those who support them to know that they aren't crazy. It's not all in their heads. She found a lot of helpful information online at a website from the UK called Pregnancy Sickness Support. That's pregnancysicknesssupports.org.uk. So if you know anyone who has hyperemesis, you know where to send them. We have a link to it on our website as well. Thanks for that, Nicole, and thanks for sharing your story. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And of course, thanks to our support team, producer Emeritus Ryan Barnhart, musicians Ben Howell and Ellen Barnhart, and to Micah, of course, who... Um, I don't know how many of you know this, but he was actually scouted by the, by the Bolshoi Ballet. But put it off. Have a family of his own. <laughs> <laughs>